0: Are gonna do a series on essential beliefs in the faith, and that'll probably take uh, the next two to three months. And um, you guys get to hear Reach, uh, Rich, not Reach, Rich, preach again uh, when Kate and I are gone. So that'll be nice that he'll be filling in as well. Uh, but I think it's it's good for us, and I'm hoping that it'll be a little more interactive than than normal. And I want you guys, if you have questions, to to raise your hand and ask a question. Even at the end of the sermon, we can uh, have some time of interaction to to talk about these theological issues and what do we actually believe and what does the Bible say. So we're gonna look at scripture, we're gonna look at uh, creation and the Trinity, heaven and hell, the church and the return of Christ, um, baptism, marriage, salvation. Rich is gonna preach on the cross and I just think it's good for us to know what we believe, to be able to give people answers and say, hey, this is actually what we believe, and this is the reason why we believe it, and we actually have evidence, we have proof, we have reasons for believing what we do, and when people come to us and they ask us, why do you believe in Jesus? To be able to explain to them the hope and the future that we have in him, and to not just say, well, because he was a good person, to really be able to explain to people so that they can come into a relationship with Christ as well. So this week we're going to look at, you know, what is the Bible? And we're going to look at 2 Timothy verses, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. That's going to be the basis of what we're looking at today. So 2 Timothy. Chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. It says this, But as for you, this is Paul talking to Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. <clears throat> so what do we really believe the Bible is? You know, Do we believe it's just a bunch of stories written to show us how to be good people? Is it a bunch of made-up stories to teach us values and morals? Is it historically accurate? Is it really inspired by God? Is it without error? I think these are questions that we have to ask and consider and no answers for because other people are asking them. And when people come to us, they're going to be asking them. Uh, the following statement is uh, the statement on the doctrine of Scripture, the belief of Scripture, taken from the North American Baptist Convention, which we're a part of. It says this. It says... We believe the Bible is God's word given by divine inspiration, the record of God's revelation of himself to humanity. It is trustworthy and sufficient without error, the supreme authority and guide for all doctrine, beliefs, and conduct. It is the truth by which God brings people into a saving relationship with himself and leads them to Christian maturity. So today we're going to look at what what is the Bible. You know. So let's start with a little background on Scripture. There's 66 books in Scripture. Uh, 39 of them are Old Testament, and 27 are New Testament feel a little intimidated because Rich is sitting there looking at me. I'm like, man, if I screw them, one of these historical facts up, I'm going to jump on it. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll try my best. And Rich, if I'm wrong somewhere, just be gracious. Um, no, no, I'm just be one of So the Old Testament, you know, it covers from creation to about 400 years before Christ's birth. And the New Testament covers, you know, Christ's birth and... and the story of Jesus, the early church, and letters between believers in the early church, with the last book of the New Testament being written around 100 AD. Um, But where did it come from? Who was it written by? Uh, There's actually over probably 40 different authors of a period of 2,000 plus years that it was written. And we know a good majority of the authors, but some of them we don't necessarily know. mainly the the Bible's a collection of works from people that were following God, mainly Israelites. And it's amazing that over 40 different people wrote scripture. It was written over 2,000 plus years. It all points to Christ. And that's the central thing, that it all points to Christ. And, you know, it was copied time and time again because the the printing press wasn't discovered until uh, fourteen it wasn't invented, 1440 AD, so scribes would copy it and they would copy uh, the original writings and people would copy those and people would copy those and so lots of times people say, well how do we know exactly that You know, this is what was written uh, well, one way that we, we kind of know is we have, can you throw up the next picture we have a pretty good uh, amount of New Testament scriptures uh, if we look at the average Greek writer back in the day, uh, if all their manuscripts were compiled together, it would be about four feet tall. Um, and if you look at Scripture, just the New Testament alone is about a mile high worth of manuscripts that we have, which is absolutely amazing. And if we, we wanted to add the Old Testament on top of that, I don't have that up here, but if we wanted to add the Old Testament on top of that, we would also have a mile and a half worth of Old Testament manuscripts. So we have two and a half miles high worth of manuscripts that we can look at and we can say, okay, did they copy it correctly? Is this what it actually meant? Is this what they were intending? And even, you know, as recently as, uh, I think it was, I think it was in 1948, you know, we found the Dead Sea Scrolls. Kid was, walking um, in the caves around the Dead Sea, he picked up a rock and threw it into a cave and something shattered in there. And the people of uh, the Plumran community had kept all these ancient writings in there. And, and it actually was an amazing thing because then we were able to look at some older manuscripts and actually say, wow, these older manuscripts actually prove that the, the newer manuscripts are actually really accurate. So we actually do have an amazing amount of manuscripts. And, and we have this proof that the scripture is real and it's reliable. You know, we look at the, the prophecies in the Old Testament, and scholars believe there's over 300 prophecies about the Messiah, the, the one that was coming to save Israel, the one that was coming to bring them back into right relationship with God. You know, there were 300 prophecies in the Old Testament plus. And there was this uh, researcher that decided, you know what, we should, we should look at just eight of those prophecies in the Old Testament and see what, you know, what that is statistically you know, what's the probability of just those eight scriptures, not, not even the 300, but just the eight, that one person would fulfill those eight prophecies? And so they did the probability of it, and the probability was 1 in 10 to the 17th power. So that's 1 in 1 with 17 zeros after it. The probability is absolutely crazy, and that's only on eight prophecies. If we had actually like a, a, an actual image of it, it would be like somebody taking quarter dollars and placing them mm. all over Texas, mm. two feet deep, and then blindfolding somebody and saying, "Okay, there's one silver dollar that's marked out there." Walk across Texas, wherever you want to go, in two feet deep of silver dollars and pick up the right one. That is the probability of Jesus fulfilling just eight of the Old Testament scriptures. It's absolutely amazing. And so these are reasons that we actually have to be able to believe in scripture. As, you know, the scripture we're looking at in 2 Timothy, it says this, all scripture is God breathed you know, or inspired by God and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so we have good evidence. You know, we have archaeology on our side as well. When when people are looking in the ancient Near East and they want to find out where a place was, they actually go to scripture and then when they discover places in the ancient Near East, and they look at how Scripture lines up, they actually find that Scripture is talking about those different political figures. And they actually find remnants of writings with those political figures in it. So it actually is historical and accurate. And it's interesting because in our day, if we want to make an agreement with somebody, if we want to hear the validity of something, you know, if we want to make a contract, we say, you know, can I get that in writing? That's what we always say to people, can I get that in writing? Because if it's just verbal, it's just my word versus your word. But if we can get that in writing, then it can be verified. And that's the amazing thing about scripture. That that God gave it in writing so that it could be verified. And people all over the world all the time have tried to disprove it and they cannot. And, you know, uh, Lee Strobel's a perfect example, the case for Christ. He started um, this investigation, he was an atheist, he started an investigation into Scripture, into the resurrection of Christ, and through it all he went to theologians that uh, are actually believers, and theologians that aren't believers, because there's actually theologians that aren't believers, and he went to all these different people and he came back and he said, you know what, the evidence is here. Jesus Christ is who he says he is. And he actually then submitted his life to Christ. There was another guy recent, more recently, and his name was uh, Warner Wallace, and he wrote a book called Cold Case Christianity after uh, Lee Strobel's book. And the title of it was A Homicide Detective Investigates the Claims of the Gospel." So this guy was an L.A. County homicide detective, uh, I think for over 20 years, and an atheist. And what he did was, um, he took all his skills that he had as an investigator, and he took the Gospels and he lined them up, and he said, you know what, if this is really true, then what we know about investigating homicides, and what we know about investigating things is gonna line up, you know, the, the stories in scripture are not gonna all look exactly the same because when they all look exactly the same, that means people have just copied them and we don't believe their stories. And when he looked at eyewitness stories of people, you know, if they had the same exact story, then he knew that they were collaborating together. And, And so when he looked at scripture and he saw, wow, they don't actually say the same thing, that actually bodes well for the historical accuracy of scripture. He actually became convinced that the accounts of Jesus were real and actually became a believer as well, and he was an atheist. And so it's good to know that there is evidence, and there are people out there that are atheists that have looked at scripture and then actually go, wow, if I look at this, if I research it, it's actually true. And so if it is true, then it has an authority. It has something that we need to look to and allow to be authoritative in our life. In Matthew 4, 4, Jesus says this. Um, he, he's actually talking to Satan, but Jesus says, you know, Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And scripture needs to be the authority in our life, because times are changing, culture changes, language changes... Values and morals change, but the Word of God never changes. It is always the same, and that is one of the most amazing things, that it has transcended cultures, it has transcended time, and it is still the same. And people are always looking for what's right, what's wrong. You know, what do we do in this situation? What do we do with Russia? What do we do with Ukraine? Um, And the reality is, Scripture needs to be our authority in life, and needs to guide us in the decisions we make in life. You know, when we have a problem in life, where are we going? Are we going, uh, a lot of people call me Dr. Phil because they think it's funny, but the, the, the psychologist guy. Are we going to Dr. Phil? Or Are we going to these other people? Or are we going to people or are we going to counselors? Counseling isn't bad at in counseling and, and, and it can be very helpful but where are we going? Are we going to all those places or are we going to Scripture? And I think we need to go to Scripture. You know, We need to go to Scripture, then we need to pray, then we need to talk to people, and then we need to go back to Scripture again and make sure that our decisions and what we're hearing lines up with Scripture. Not that we're going out and we're finding Scripture that lines up with what we believe, but actually that we're allowing Scripture to speak to us and to have authority in our lives, you know, so growing up, I was taught to look at scripture, and I, I hated when my mom would say, well, go and pray about it, and go and look in the Bible. I'd be like, come on, that's the cheesiest answer you can possibly give me. it just, just irritate me. What I've learned over the years that it's the truth, you know? It is the truth, and, and I want to encourage you guys to do the same thing. When you have situations in your life, and like, what do I do? You know, what, what is morally or ethically right? Look in Scripture, because as the whole of Scripture, we can find what God's plan and what God's intention is. You know, and, and honestly, it's easier to not look in Scripture. Um, you know, and it's just easier to, to pick up people's opinions. It's easier to look on Google or Wikipedia or wherever and get opinions. But it's harder to, to look in Scripture, but thankfully, it's actually gotten a lot easier. And I'm going to say, you know, when I was a kid, it wasn't as easy. But, and, you know, I'm, I'm not that old, I don't think, but it's the truth. When I was a kid, you had to get down to Concordance. Rich, you know about Concordances. It's, it's a big book that has all the words in the Bible in it. And you had to go when you look. If you wanted to look about anxiety, okay, you'd look up the word anxiety. Where is it used in scripture? Okay, now you have to look through every place in scripture where that is, and then you have to actually see oh, what is it actually talking about in the context? Then you'd have to go to peace, and oh, okay, peace is the opposite of anxiety, okay. So you'd have to look at that, and you'd have to go through all these steps. Well, now we have modern technology, which is great. So we have Bible Gateway, we have Something called blue letter Bible, and we just type in a word and it just comes up with all the scriptures. And we can compare, we can look at, and those things are amazing. But hundreds of years ago, people didn't have that. And so they had to actually know scripture, they had to actually know the Bible. And, you know, uh, the Jewish people as kids, they would learn the five foot first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, they would actually memorize it. And they would know it, and they knew Scripture. And if we look in uh, Deuteronomy, I think it's the last slide I have up there. Do you have that? It says this, "Here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be the, the next on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now this is specifically uh, talking about Ten Commandments, but it, it, it goes for broad scripture. This is what God has called us to. To to know Scripture, to share it with our children, to share it with people, and yet we struggle to read Scripture. Uh, Rich asked me the other day, he said, how are you doing in, in your personal prayer time Scripture, reading with the Lord? And I'm like, well, I, I do a lot for preparing sermons. And I, Rich said, no, no, how, how are you doing with just getting time in the Word of God? And I said, well, lately it's been a struggle. And I know it's a struggle, not just for me, but for all of us. But when we actually look at how long the Old Testament takes to read it, it takes 52 hours and 20 minutes. So it takes about, you know, uh, eight minutes, eight and a half minutes a day if we wanted to read it in a year. Eight and a half minutes a day. In the New Testament, to read the whole thing takes about 18 hours and 20 minutes. So it takes about three minutes a day. So if we put those two together, if we wanted to read through the whole Bible in a year, it would actually take us 11 minutes and Eleven and a half 11 and minutes. And when we think about it, that's, that's not much. You know, we have 1,440 minutes in each day. So if we took 11 and a half minutes and we, you know, percentage of, okay, what is that out of the minutes that we have in a day, it's actually 0.08% of our day. 11 and a half minutes. It's less than 1% of our day, and yet we struggle to read the Word of God. We struggle with it. I struggle with it. And and so I'm not picking on you guys because I struggle with it as well. But as I looked at this, it made me think, okay, where am I spending my time? What am I spending my time on? What's my priority of life? My priority, first priority needs to be Christ and knowing Christ. And this is the main way that we get to know Christ. It's the main way that we get to know the Lord is by being in Scripture. You know, Jesus, when he's praying for his disciple for the crucifixion, he says, In John 17, 17, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. If we want to know Jesus, if we want to come into a relationship with him and know about what he's done, his, his sinless life on earth, his death for our sins, his resurrection, the new life that he has for us when we commit to following him and serving him, you know, then we will, as we get into His Word, we will know Him and we will be sanctified. And sanctified is just a big word for, you know, the process of continually being changed by the Lord. You know, it happens as we, as we give our lives to Christ, and then as we're changed constantly and transformed. And that's what Scripture does. It convicts us. It changes us. You know, when we look back at, at the first verse of, uh, in Timothy, You know, it says, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the Sermon of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so Scripture is so that we will be thoroughly equipped for every good work that God has for us. You know, it's, it's to change us, it's to transform us. It's actually there for a reason. And the wonderful thing is, Scripture stood the test of time. You know, it's been tested, it's been tried, it's been torn apart. People have investigated it, criticized it, but it's never changed and it's never been discredited. And that is amazing. That is something worth reading and that is something worth trusting in. Because when we look at the world, things are ever-changing. Things are constantly going crazy. But if we put our trust in the Word of God and who God is, then we have stability even in the midst of crises, even in the midst of Russia invading Ukraine. You think about the people in Ukraine and everything has been torn upside down in their lives.